0: Rnz National. It's 26 minutes after 10, and it's time for a little earlier this week. Midweek Media Watch with Colin Peacock. Hi, Colin. Kia ora, Karen.
1: How are you? Yeah, not too bad. This is the best part of my day. I was parent helper at uh, the Boy Scouts this evening, and it uh, was held indoors, so. Those little dudes make so much noise, so <laughs> you might have to speak up for me tonight, but I think my hearing's recovered now. What did you have to
0: help with? What were they doing?
1: Uh, well, we were going to be doing um, an outdoor plunge down into the um, into the gully where there's a bridge and a stream, but it started to rain, so instead they did indoor extreme dodgeball, which involves setting up barricades, and uh, there were a few injuries, including one to myself, but I'm okay now.
0: <laughs> That's good to hear. <clears throat> All right, first story. Uh, this is about a, well, I won't say possible... An alleged, how's that for a word, merger between RNZ and TVNZ?
1: Well, it's one of the things that's been discussed. I mean, as we've mentioned on the Media Watch show um, for, for quite a bit, broadcasting policy for this government is really up in the air and how they plan to fund public media um you know, in short, they went into the last election promising large amounts of money for RNZ and the possibility of a TV channel to be run through RNZ. That was all under the aegis of the former minister, Claire Curran, who then uh, quit as minister. Now we have Chris Farfoy for you. Now, since then, a lot of that plan has been, well, virtually all of it has been shelved. And he's basically playing for time and saying we are reconsidering the whole public media spend and policy of government uh, and really leaving – Only a few hints about what they're really thinking about. And it was interesting, the uh, Two Cents Worth uh, business podcast, which is a co-production of the newsroom website and RNZ, um, recently had uh, Chris Farfoy on, Uh, In fact, it was last week's edition, and they called it A Conversation with Chris, and they asked him about a whole lot of questions about all the different portfolio he's got. And at the end of it, um, they got round to uh, what his plans are for public media. One of the things that is being whispered about is that a, a plan that's come up in the past of merging or linking somehow T- state-owned TBNZ which is you know, a commercially run company effectively albeit that it's state-owned with RNZ um, and th- this question was put to him on the Two Cents Worth podcast and uh, this-, this was his answer We're having a very good look at what the future of public broadcasting is in New Zealand. So you're um, not
0: ruling out merging the two?
1: I'm saying we're having a good look at public broadcasting in New Zealand uh, <laughs> to make sure it's not just fit for now but for the next 20 or
0: 30 years as well well yeah I think that's an answer. Hey, well yeah. I think that's a great answer
1: <laughs> that was Chris Farfoy, the minister of too many things for me to repeat but we've been talking to him in this discussion we really have appreciated your time Chris and your Thanks, contributions. Uncle Chris. Thank mm. you it's been fun. Thank uncle stop the uncle Chris bit.
0: <laughs> He said nothing then
1: no he didn't really answer the question, did he? It was kind of funny there Giles Beckford um, shut down this sort of uncle chris <laughs> nonsense, but it was weird. It was a very chatty sort of interview, and um, one of the things they 'd been having a bit of a laugh about was um, the you know the money for podcasting because the two cents podcast as a co- production it 's funded by New Zealand on air it 's part of this new uh, way of where broadcasting money or the government the money But the public media money, public broadcasting money from the government used to be prioritised into broadcasting, still is, but it's now being branched out into new operations and multimedia stuff like the Newsroom Podcast and the other commercial media companies like Stuff, NZME, the publishers of The Herald, they're all getting a bit of it now. And this is where... The thinking is with the policy, the minister has been saying he's worried about media plurality. He wants to see not just a future with one or two uh, players in the market, including publicly funded RNZ and TVNZ. So he's clearly thinking about ways of broadening the broadcasting spend to these other media players, which is quite a big shift. I mean, in part, it happens already with the, the broadening out of multimedia um, spending on journalism. Um, so he wasn't really pressed on that point about whether, you know, the TVNZ, RNZ thing could be part of whatever they're they're thinking about. But interestingly, in the podcast version, not the on-air version of that conversation with Chris, um, Giles did prompt uh, the Broadcasting Minister to say a little more. I'm going to give you a, a spot, 30 seconds if you want, to make just a little point that you think is important that people know, something that we may have missed actually in our discussions.
0: Well, look, I think in the media space, I really care about what my kids uh, and the next generations
1: will be watching. I don't know where they'll be watching it. Well, I, I fundamentally want them to have access to good New Zealand content. So that's why we are looking um, at what puppet broadcasting has in that space, wh- what we can do for other uh, media as well, because, you know, I think... There's a plethora of stuff, not all of it rubbish, coming in from overseas that they can access, and I want to make sure that they know what it is to be a Kiwi um, and to celebrate their own communities, not necessarily somewhere thousands of miles away.
0: Well, Other media have had their hand out for quite some time.
1: Exactly. And there was a meeting recently um, of the commercial media companies like uh, Stuff and NZME, the publishers of the New Zealand Herald. Uh, RNZ was there and New Zealand On Air. And the minister sat in as nominally an observer in this meeting. Now, this was all under Chatham House rules. It's not on the record. Um, But what we believe was discussed there, the commercial media companies like Stuff said, look, we've got real commercial problems. Uh, the future of a nationwide network of journalism, they currently have the biggest network of journalists of anyone in the country, uh, is in peril. And um, we know that the Aussie owners are trying to sell stuff and uh, can't find a buyer um, who's willing to come anywhere near what they consider a decent value for the company would be. So all these questions milling around in the background, I mean, if the Minister's really thinking of bold solutions, I mean, even the government could acquire stuff or, you know, contract it to provide news. Who knows? You know, Gavin Ellis... Um, on his nine to noon media slot on Monday, he said, "Look, I'm I'm pleased these meetings are taking place and these things are being thought about." He even advocated for a, a big summit to discuss a way forward. And I don't know whether we need sort of more talking on that scale, but it would be better perhaps than having these behind closed doors meetings where the policy, you know, seems to be well. We don't know how it's being formed and when it's going to be to be announced in, in public. And um, you know, I, w- I would like to see if if they're really thinking about bold solutions and. Bearing in mind the government does spend about somewhere in the region of between 240 and $250 million on broadcasting and public media each year. You know, I would like to see this done a bit more out in the open. And if they've got really interesting radical solutions, not just piecemeal uh, ideas of spraying the, the money around a little bit wider, I think that should be done a bit more in public.
0: It is blurring the lines, though, between um, private enterprise and public broadcasting to a great degree, what you're suggesting.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, that, but that's the whole point. Let's get to grips with that. If they're talking about... But should
0: we get to grips with that? Well,
1: well, I think so, because if you're talking about stuff in the regional network of journalists being in peril, well, look, what are we doing? Are we propping up... A failing commercial model for journalism by um, you know assisting that company uh, to do that. Are, are we going to carry on, say, with television funding? You know, basically it's it's about providing programming to New Zealanders and New Zealand stories on the air, along with the overseas stuff that the the minister mentioned there. But it also involves effectively kind of subsidising the screen industry. You know, are we going to be doing all of this? Like I say, the whole broadcasting spend is a lot of money, and the finance minister has a say in this as regards TVNZ as well. The shareholders ministers in this company. So if they're going to look at what are we spending 200, almost a quarter of a billion dollars a year on and what are the priorities, well, let's do that um, rather than just say, well, we don't want to see certain companies go under and we're going to have to prop up journalism more than we did in the past because when the New Zealand on Air system was set up, uh, you know 30 years ago it wasn't intended to fund journalism at all it didn't have anything to do with um, private media companies um, in that regard it was it was just for you know drama entertainment it's only in recent years when the media industry industries hit trouble um, with advertising revenue and so on that um, they've been pulled into the funding of journalism more and more and initially it wasn't thought good that the state should be involved in bankrolling that stuff or the government had its hands on the on the flow of money for that. So if we're going to address all this stuff, let's let's do it out in the open and do it from the from the ground up.
0: Perhaps hoist by their own petard, though, Colin. Uh,
1: what the media companies? Yes. Yeah, could could be, but um, we'll just see because you know their argument is well, everything has converged. This is what we look at, looked at on Media Watch last weekend. Digital technology means that you know RNZ. The Herald's publisher, NZME, MediaWorks, um, TVNZ—they're all producing online content on the same networks, multimedia video journalism, written stuff. They're all sharing content now, or, or some elements of it. So everything is becoming; those lines are blurred. They're overlapping more and more than ever. And yet, but that,
0: that's the question, though, isn't it? That's a longer discussion about the ethics of that uh, public broadcasting and private enterprise, and whether we should just talk about that as it should all go—you uh, know—into one homogenous group.
1: Yeah, indeed. But if the solution ends up being, oh, well, let's just make more contestable money available for multimedia journalism from these private Companies, well, okay, that's that's one way of doing it, but that's not a that's not a real solution to building a public media system uh, for the future. So that that mashing together of TVNZ and RNZ, however it might even be done, that that is one more fundamental um, and almost philosophical way of, of of thinking about public media or public broadcasting into the future. But yeah, let's let's not have it done in uh, closed door meetings with Chatham House rules, with the minister in the corner taking notes. Let's let's do it uh, more in public uh, and also. The other factor in this, the coalition partners would have a say. New Zealand First has a, a policy, a broadcasting policy, long-standing one of making TVNZ or one uh, TV One effectively a non-commercial channel. That would change the broadcasting market hugely. So if that's part of the mix, well, that would affect the rest of the market, and of course, it affects you know the public because that that channel still gets a, a huge audience of New Zealanders.
0: Uh, we've only got a limited time tonight, Colin, so we've got a few more stories. Which Where would you like to go? Um,
1: well, let's just pick on the, the one that I put next on the list because it's just an interesting little talking point, really. But um, and, you know, I'm broadcasting this concept of the empty chair where uh, when you point out to the audience that you wanted to interview someone or get their comment, they wouldn't front up to be interviewed or didn't didn't respond to the request. And sometimes there are reasons for this, and the media aren't always specific about why the request hasn't been taken up. But on Monday, uh, the Privacy Commissioner, John Edwards, uh, put out a tweet saying, is it dishonest or just sloppy for a journo to post a story saying the Privacy Commissioner has been approached for comment, implying he hasn't given one, when in fact he has, but the journo has chosen not to include it? Um, And I thought that's rather surprising a senior public servant would question the honesty of a journalist in a public forum like that, because it wasn't actually too hard to work out what the, the story he was referring to was and, and the reporter. Um, because, you know, this clearly to say he's been approached for comment looks like an online version of the story, which will be updated when the comment comes in. He said, look, I provided this comment on Friday by the deadline they asked for. Monday the story went up, implying I hadn't made a comment when I had. And he asked for his followers' opinions and got dozens saying, oh, yeah, that's what the media do. Yeah, it's sloppy, it is dishonest. And... um and basically not, you know, not a very high opinion of the, of the journalistic ethics going on there. But others pointed out, well, look, this is probably just a bit of an oversight and something that could be easily sorted with a phone call um, rather than pouring it out on Twitter and saying, do you think this is sloppiness or dishonesty, both of which are pretty negative things? Um, and he responded to one of those tweets uh, saying, look. My tweet was just true and accurate. This is a thing that happened to me. Are you saying that the journalists who hold us all to account shouldn't be held to account themselves?' And in my opinion, well, he's right, yes, if, if journalists fall down on the job, he's entitled to point it out. But to go straight to this assumption that there was, you know, sloppiness or dishonesty um, was a bit un- unnecessary. And he later tweeted that, yes, it was a, a miscommunication at the the media outlet's end, and they apologised to him. And he says, oh, so that's all fine, normal, normal service can resume. But... I'm not sure about that. I think journalists dealing with him in future will be concerned that you know if he does, if they don't respond exactly uh, to the comment he provides, they might be a little wary of of dealing with him, thinking he might just go on a public forum and. Um and you know, question their, their standards or their ethics.
0: <laughs> That's what happens these days. Anyway, he's keeping them on their toes.
1: Yeah, and he is actually, I should say,
0: he, he is a, a
1: public servant who's willing to engage, not one of these behind-the-scenes figures who's you know risk-averse and, and so on. He has actually been criticised by some people in the media for writing and voicing opinions that some consider go beyond his brief as the privacy commissioner. So I wouldn't want to suggest that he shuts down on social media at all. He's a thoughtful person and makes really interesting contributions to things which sometimes cross over with, you know, my area, the media. So I wouldn't want to see them you know, retreat from social media at all, but to jump straight in and, and air, you know, air questions about the um, integrity and the ethics of an individual reporter or their media outlet, I thought was a bit unnecessary when, um, you know, could have been fixed with a phone call and, um, you know, that wouldn't have prompted those dozens of people to um, kick in with all their, you know, fairly negative, knee-jerk um, thoughts about the media and how they operate.
0: I'm just laughing because he's probably been faced with quite a bit of dishonesty and sloppiness from journalists. Oh, probably. I
1: mean, a lot of public figures have. But, you know, that's, I mean, again, that's the point, that empty chair thing. Uh, Media do have to take that seriously. If you're going to say comment hasn't been provided or whatever, you know, make sure you follow up on that. And John Campbell used to be very good at it. He used to um, give quite a lot of detail. We we tried five times on this date and this date and the minister hasn't responded. So the more detail you can give, uh, the better. So, yeah, John Edwards um, wasn't quite treated right. But I don't think you need to leap in and, uh, and go for the journalist in that way um, when uh, yeah, it could have all been sorted out fairly easily with a phone call.
0: Oh, great conversation. Thank you very much. Sorry we had to cut it short.
1: No worries. There's more on the Midweek Media Watch page on the, on the website, by the way. Thank you, Colin. No worries.